0: All things
1: New Orleans Saints. This is Who Dat Discussion. be Powered by
0: Overtime Media.
1: What is up, Who Nation? Welcome in to a playoff edition of the Who Dat Discussion. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Galata. You could follow me on Twitter at andrew Golata, and then also you could follow the podcast on twitter at the who dad Dis. and we have a great episode in store for you guys today as we have a special guest He is a writer for the saints news network and a nominee for the north carolina film critics association tar heel award which is given to a film or performer with a special connection to north carolina brendan boylan how you doing brendan
0: uh, thanks for the thanks for the recognition, man. Um, I'm, I'm great. Uh, much, much better when you're getting into a postseason and you get the chance to cover um, a postseason and what could be a really special postseason for a really talented Saints group that's looking to put some uh, some demons to rest here in 2021.
1: Yeah, I mean, we had you on in the preseason, then we had you on during the bye week, and now this is going to complete the trilogy with now the postseason. And, you know, it's definitely be very, very fun as I do want to start off just looking how the Saints are heading into this postseason, kind of an outlook because this team, 12 and 4, you know, I think they're coming together and they're really starting to kind of gel and play to their own. They faced so much adversity this year. They've, you know, between the injuries and the COVID situations. And so far they're passing a lot of that and now it's like everybody's getting healthy. And today I tweeted it's almost like the the end scene of Avengers Endgame where it's just like everyone's coming back and ready for that final fight. So I definitely wanna hear your outlook here for the Saints heading into this twenty twenty one postseason, second seed. And to me they're looking pretty good.
0: Yeah, I think I think getting healthy is such such a key uh for the Saints and to have a game last week where you weren't 100%, you were missing obviously the entire running back room and you had to convert Ty Montgomery back to running back for the first time in, in a handful of years and to be as efficient as you were in that game offensively. Uh, I think the two is those, those games against Kansas City uh, and then the game against Minnesota, you could say, okay, well, Drew didn't look 100%. I think Drew was much better against Minnesota than what he was against Kansas City. But there was a lot of room for concern. Is is Drew really 100%? uh, How are his ribs going to carry through the rest of the season? And though the stats didn't say a whole lot uh, in that Panthers game in terms of the yards weren't there. It was just 201 yards for Drew. His total QBR was under 60. He did complete 69% of his passes. He threw for three touchdowns. Uh, and I thought he looked really crisp in what was just a dominant blowout type of game for the New Orleans Saints, and he said it in his post-game press conference, you know, he does know, and and we all know, that Michael Thomas is going to be back next week, and that's going to be a huge boost to the New Orleans Saints offense. The defense, uh, with a kind of makeshift secondary uh, for some of those COVID-related reasons as well, they came out and, and had a good game, and I think the five interceptions, though, some of them were just uh, terrible throws, whether it was Bridgewater or P.J. Walker. When you are able, as a defense, to have such a successful game to close out the regular season, a lot of that's going to carry over into the postseason. The Saints also finish the 2020 regular season, uh, leading the league, tied for the lead league. In interceptions, uh, third and in takeaways, so we can't we can't excuse this defense because over the years, what's it been, Andrew? Right, it's the offense that has continuously carried the New Orleans Saints through the regular season and and maybe to some postseason victories. And, and this year, I actually think it's the opposite. It's the defense that has carried the Saints through the regular season through the injuries, uh, whether that was the Mike Thomas or Drew Brees. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders had the COVID situation, obviously. Alvin Kamara just did as well. The Saints played with a pretty banged-up offensive line throughout the regular season, whether it was Pete missing time or whether it was Nick Easton missing time, having to throw in uh, a rookie and Cesar Ruiz to to start at right guard. I mean, the Saints had so much happen on the offensive side, and here it is, the defense. uh, Just being a top-five defense and being a a fantastic unit, uh, top to bottom, and you wrote a fantastic piece uh, on Sports Illustrated um, about, just the Saints secondary and how they were able to turn around what looked like just a horrid season from the very beginning. And they turn it around. and They're one of the, the best units in football and they're getting healthy, too. Right. C.J. Gardner Johnson's back for the playoffs. And he tweeted out that, that he's ready for for uh, Javon Wims <laughs> and kind of that little rematch from uh, Wims getting ejected in that game uh, way back when. Right, And then Marcus Williams, who I think a lot of Saints fans have this weird love-hate relationship with because he goes from one week to looking like an outstanding, um, almost center fielder, to the next week not being able to make uh, a tackle or or completely misreading uh, the timing of the ball getting there and and coming up with some really bad um, defensive pass interference penalties. But the Saints get those guys back next week. Uh, against Chicago, and I think that's going to make all the difference. Uh, I think the Saints are probably uh, in the best position they've been in to go and make a Super Bowl run, and in a weird way, I think that being the two-seed actually helps the Saints a little bit because you get to host this game against Chicago, a team that you've seen already, and uh, sometimes when you're kind of getting everything going on all cylinders, Offensively, uh, the last two weeks, when you get an extra week to rest, sometimes there's a little bit more rust. So I think actually being able to play this week, uh, whether they do have Alvin Kamara or not, is actually more helpful for them than it would be if they had the week off. Uh, maybe that's just me being a super optimistic person, uh, but I think it's really going to do do wonders for the Saints to be able to play this week and maybe gain some confidence uh, against the team that you've already beat this season.
1: Yeah. I mean, momentum is a real thing. I think we should definitely, you know, talk about that when this offense, once it starts to get going, I feel like it really is no stopping it. You should get Michael Thomas back as well. You know, Alvin Kamara feels like, you know, everything's starting to come together for the offense. And, you know, you were talking about the defense and I really feel like the defense this season, it kind of like took just a huge step up and kind of owns this team. It's like, okay, the offense is kind of struggling a little bit. Now it's time for the defense to come up here and, you know, um, it's our time to shine. And I feel like they really did that. I mean, you know, I feel like maybe that Javon Wim's play was kind of the turning point for the secondary almost. I mean, it kind of energized them a little bit, I felt, especially in that that Bears game, because then like right after that, you had the Lattimore interception and the Saints just started to play better as a unit because then the next week was the Buccaneers where they just dismantled Tom Brady and then it was like, you know, from there off and running, you talked about Marcus Williams, who I really love. And you just saw in that Chiefs game, he had like a huge hit. I forgot who it was, who was on, but he had a huge hit to jar the ball loose. And it was like, okay, like Marcus Williams is back. And hopefully he's finally triumphed that whole Minnesota miracle thing. And again, I, I really love, how this defense is playing, then, as you said, kind of moving over to this Panthers game here and the Saints win. And what I really loved about this game on defense was the turnovers because turnovers are are infectious, in my opinion. I I think it's really important to get those turnovers because it feels like once you get one, it's like you get another one, another one, another one, and, you know, maybe that's because not having the bias good because then you get to, you know, keep that momentum And I think that's something that was really big from this Panthers game. I said it in my recap video episode, excuse me, on uh, Monday. And kind of my key takeaway from that game was just the depth of this team. And I, I feel like they're probably one of the most complete teams in the league right now. I mean, I think that maybe the Chiefs, but to me, besides the Chiefs, especially in the NFC, I mean, the Packers are great. But right now, we just want to go complete team, you know, go group by group. I think the Saints may have more talent there. Now, it's just a matter of getting them all playing well. And, you know, this game and, you know, the game before against the Vikings, it seems like the Saints are starting to get it uh, revving up and going. And to me, that's really big. And just the depth, as you said, Ty Montgomery, the secondary, you had Grant Haley getting called up for the practice squad. It's just, it's really great, you know, to see those guys play well. And then a wide receiver as well. You know, Emmanuel Sanders comes here. He gets his um, his bonus week 17 as well. I thought that was all really big from from that game. I feel like that Panthers game was almost an epitome of the whole season. It's like whenever there is, you know, a, a punch, a gut punch, we're always ready to bounce back. And I think that's a really nice quality to have.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think that's interesting, you know, as well as a lot of people that follow me that I'm in the North Carolina area. So when John Hendricks, uh, the beat writer for the Saints News Network on Sports Illustrated, he flew in for that game. I picked him up at the airport and and we got to talking and, and during that drive back to his hotel and, and said, you know, this is a weird year for the Saints. It feels like every away game, at least he said it was that every away game that he's gone to. The cover it feels like there's a storyline you know for las vegas it was the new stadium Then you get detroit and the the burton covid scare and we just went through it and it felt that the saints have had adversity in their face week after week after week really since june uh mm-hmm. since the the drew Brees comments back in june and, and some of the social media uproar that that came from that whether it was malcolm jenkins's comments or CJ Gardner Johnson, all of a sudden, was like, oh, can this locker room survive? Uh, you know, in what is a really weird 2020. And a lot of people said, I don't know if they really can. And, and look, look at the Saints coming together as a unit. And that's been the biggest thing over the last four years with this team, right? Is the, the cohesion, the family like atmosphere in that locker room. And all the way back in June, it was questioned. And we've gone from June now to the beginning of January. And I think the Saints have proved that if there's any locker room that can overcome almost any situation thrown at them, it's this locker room. And, and they've just done it time and time again. And to your point, kind of to piggyback off of you, whether that's the depth of this roster, you know, Ty Montgomery, when's the last time you started a game at running back? right it has to be with with the green bay packers
1: 2016
0: (laughs) it had to be 16 or 17 with with green bay and it's been just as long since he's had an 100 yard performance he's really just a full-time receiver at this point he's able to come in and run for 100 yards um for the saints and just kind of a last second scenario obviously the news didn't break about Kamara testing positive until a little bit later but he tests positive on a thursday so you have friday and saturday to essentially get ready. To start at running back, and I thought thought he did a phenomenal job throughout the entire season. Though Alvin Kamara is going to go down as the Saints' leading receiver in terms of receptions and yards. Emmanuel Sanders, Traequann Smith, Michael Thomas, Marcus Callaway, uh, Deontay Harris, Adam Troutman had a pretty good year uh, as as a rookie and has came up big at points. But you could just go through all these different guys that have at least one catch. On the season, I'll actually go through it with you. It's going to be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 different Saints recorded her reception this season. (laughs) 18. And that's because you had so many injuries across the board, Uh, whether that was an actual injury or somebody being on the COVID list, just the, the depth offensively to step up. And we haven't even began to talk about the strength of this defensive line. We haven't talked about the strength of this secondary unit. You kind of alluded to it with the five interceptions mm-hmm. uh, against the Carolina Panthers. Like This is a Saints team that is deeper than we've ever seen. And Quan Alexander just tore his Achilles, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, ha- we haven't even been talking about the fact that Quan Alexander came in and was just a phenomenal player. And I love Sean Payton's quote about getting him in the middle of the season and his comment saying it feels like he's been here you know, the whole time. You lose him, you insert uh, Alex Anzalone, Zach Bond got a lot more time at linebacker in week 17. It's like the team didn't miss a step. Uh, I think this team has been through so much adversity that now that everybody's getting healthy and you're still going to have some adversity, obviously, with all the media wanting to bring up the heartbreak of the last three playoffs. The Saints are in such a prime position to, to move forward and be successful in the playoffs and they showed a ton of that in week 17 and I think you alluded to it perfectly and said so that was just like the icing on the cake that was that was, week 17 was look we have dealt with everything this season we're dealing with everything here in week 17 we're missing the offensive player of the year because of the injury we're missing the 2017 offensive rookie of the year because of COVID and just everything that happened and they were still able not only to win the game but win the game convincingly and play fantastic start to finish so uh, i think i think like i said you you put it perfectly is week 17 was really uh just taking everything that the saints have dealt with as a team this season putting it out there on the field and still being able to play excellent football i think they're in great shape
1: i mean you just go to back to week 16 and the Browns kind of dealt with a similar situation to the Saints. Their whole receiver room was out. And obviously the Saints had their all running back room out. And they lost to the Jets. And a lot of people say, oh, the Panthers aren't good. Like, when you lose an entire position group, like, it's definitely hard. And, and Sean Payton, coach. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the coach. And like Sean Payton was like, okay, no problem. We'll still put a point in 30 and win the game very, very handedly. And you talk about the secondary, you flip it over and they had, you know, a ton of guys out. You had your slot corner out. You had your free safety out. You, you had their backups out as well. And you're still able to get five interceptions. You go to wide receiver. You don't have Michael Thomas. You don't have Traquan Smith. You don't have Deontay Harris. I mean, to me, it just shows this team is so battle-tested. And it's like, you know, at a certain point, you know, you talk about the losses from 2017, 18, 19, it's almost like the Dodgers where, you know, in baseball, where at a certain point, they're going to break through and they're going to win one because it's just a probability. That's just kind of what it is here. And I feel like going into the postseason outlook for the postseason, it's just like, you know, this team is tested. They're they're ready. It's It's almost like it's our time now. And I feel like a big thing I do want to bring up before we get and kind of look just into this Bears game here, which is going to take place on Sunday, is talking about Breeze because it's almost like it's destiny. This should be his final year. There were the reports that came out on Sunday by Adam Schefter that everyone believes it's going to be his final year. How perfect would it be for Brees and his storybook finish if the Saints could help him get back on top one last time here in 2020? To me, it would just be a perfect end for Breeze as his career is obviously coming up to his end. I mean, I think this is big for the Saints. This is really like the last dance of the Drew Brees champagne error, which is to me just, I mean, a lot of things to think about with that. But I mean, just for this to be kind of the last playoff run for Drew Brees, I mean, how perfect it would be if the Saints could, you know, get to the top just one last time.
0: Well, you know, I I think the first thing that you go to when you say something like that is you look at just Peyton Manning
1: in 2015
0: with the Broncos. But this is a little different. Uh, Though Peyton Manning was – uh, completely led to that Super Bowl by his defense. There, There's a lot of similarities, and, and obviously Peyton didn't have a great Super Bowl outing statistically, but let's look at the similarities. Uh, Peyton Manning misses time that season because yeah. of an injury, and Brock Osweiler came in, played very well for the Denver Broncos. And then Manning gets back healthy, and he leads the team to the Super Bowl. Drew Brees missed time this season, Taysom Hill played particularly well. Now Breeze is back looking for a playoff role. The Denver Broncos defense led a team that just a few years prior was, was great record-setting offensively. New Orleans Saints this season have been led by their defense by historically an offense that is record-setting and historic. There's just so much going on right there. And I think for not just people that have covered the Saints over the years, but people that are Saints fans, I mean, there is no better way to go out for Drew than than with a Super Bowl uh, championship, a second Super Bowl championship. Because for whatever reason, uh, especially quarterbacks, you're judged on how many Super Bowls you win. And for a long time, it was like, well, if you get one, you're you're good, because everybody points towards Dan Marino, the, the greatest quarterback to never win. Um, a super bowl but now all of a sudden it's not just you have to win one you have to win two to really solidify yourself so i think for drew that would just be um a storybook ending for him it was a little weird uh to to watch the game on sunday knowing in the back of your mind that this is probably it uh, i'll say it like this is you know there's been a lot of talk about drew retiring over the last probably three years and oh is he coming back and that's always the hot take and and, whatnot. and I think the last two years and going into this year included, I had no doubt in my mind that Drew was coming back, regardless of what the reports from, from some of the national media said. And obviously that was before, you know, I was with uh, Saints News on SI, but I, I had no doubt in my mind that Drew was coming back. But this year was a little different. You know, I think, you know, going into this what I mean by that is going into this offseason is a little different, regardless of what happens with New Orleans. If they go win the whole thing, uh, I think he's for sure done. But if they fall short again, I don't feel uh, I don't feel as confident about him coming back and, and going and giving it one more go. Uh, I think there is the, like this looming sense that we're seeing, uh, in my mind, one of the top three greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game uh, slowly ride off into the sunset. So, for New Orleans and for Drew—not just for Drew, but for the entire city, the entire team—to not just win the Super Bowl for Drew, but to do it in a fashion where you're also able to put all of the the heartbreak to rest over the last three years and just finally break through and get it—I uh, think that would be that would be like this perfect ending for Drew, and I think that for fans of the saints and people who don't understand just the, the, I don't want to say love affair, but I'll use that for lack of a better term of the city of new Orleans and Drew Brees. You have to give yourself a little history lesson Mm -hmm. on the fact that in five, the saints played no games in, in new Orleans. They played a home game quote unquote uh, in New York against the giants in 2005 The city was just decimated by Hurricane Katrina. There was a lot of conversation and a lot of rumors going around that the Saints may move out of New Orleans. You know, the city had no idea if their team was coming back, and they had no idea that if the team came back for how long, or if the team or the city would ever be the same. And you know, for Drew to come in, like you don't want to say Drew saved New Orleans by any means. But what Drew and Sean were able to build starting in 06, I mean, it was legitimately giving giving the city hope uh, that they they too could, could rebuild. And I think the rebirth statue outside of uh, the Superdome is just so fitting. And Steve Gleason had some amazing words on Twitter today, if you guys haven't had a chance to read it. But Drew very literally kept the saints in new Orleans. And so for a lot of people, it's more than just the greatest player in in the team's history. It's very much this guy that isn't just the the best player to ever wear the black and gold, but he's the reason that we're not only still here, but we're here and we're relevant and we're good. And we have a Lombardi trophy uh, in the city of new Orleans. So I think for, for everybody, uh Saints fans and natives of New Orleans or people that just have New Orleans close to their heart that um if it's anything short of Drew winning the Super Bowl it's probably going to hurt more and some people will disagree with me but if Drew doesn't come away with that Super Bowl before he retires it's going to hurt more than the NOLA no call
1: in the NFC championship game when you talk about that, it's, it's interesting because, especially, you know, you talk about the last three playoff losses compounding on this year as well. It's going to be like that was really a missed opportunity. And, you know, we we'll, you know, obviously don't know how this season's going to end. And, you know, like, will they be able to play really good? Because obviously last year was a dud, and you're hoping they don't put up another dud. And if they put up a dud, I feel like it would, it would be different. Like, if they lost in the wild card round, I still think people would, would probably be like, okay, yeah, the no call was our year or 2017. Like that team in my mind was like, I know Nick Underhill says this as well. There was like magic around that team. You know, it just felt like they were like the up and comers. I don't know. I feel like Breeze and, you know, his career it just shows, I mean, you said it perfectly. I mean, when you go before that, I mean, the Saints were, you know, they had one playoff win. I mean, it's like, you know, it's what he did to the franchise. And just like, because kids my age, you know, you're 19, 20 basically only know the saints being good. Like if you're a saints fan, if you're not a saints fan, like, okay, the saints are a good franchise. Like that was not always the case. And obviously a ton of credit goes to Sean Payton, Drew Brees, and it's almost an end of an era. And it'd be really fitting. It'd be perfectly fitting if he goes out here, wins a super bowl. And it does remind you of the Broncos team, as you were saying. And I think Brees is playing better than Peyton Manning was. I mean, that defense. Yeah. And like, but I also think the Broncos defense was probably playing better than the saints then, but so many similar dynamics. I mean, with those two teams, and I mean, like even coming into the season, like the Broncos were knocking at the door, they made it to a Super Bowl, they won their division four straight years, just like the Saints. It's so many comparisons between those teams. And it'll be interesting to see how it kind of all works out here. So before we kind of take a deep dive here into the first round here, the wild card round, the first step to a Super Bowl run, when the Saints take on the Bears on Sunday, we are going to take a quick break. You are listening to the HUDAT Discussion Podcast. Welcome back into the HUDAT Discussion. I'm Andrew Galata alongside Brendan Boylan, who's joining us, writer for Saints News Network. And Brendan, now we're going to jump into this Bears game here, kind of dive into it with some intriguing matchups. We always do it here at the HUDAT Discussion at every uh, preview. We go into our intriguing matchups. So, Fittingly here, we definitely got to do it here for the postseason. So, Brendan, definitely want to ask you first, what are you looking at when you're looking at a matchup or a storyline here with this Saints-Bears game?
0: How about I I double up for the playoffs? I'll give you a matchup and a storyline. Great. So (laughs) I think the matchup to watch in this game is going to be Khalil Mack and and the tackles for the New Orleans Saints because you know Khalil Mack. He's, He's the best pass rusher of a generation. And he can line up wherever he wants to, and will wreak havoc on whatever quarterback. But on the other side for the New Orleans Saints, you have two of the best offensive tackles in football, and without a doubt in my mind, the best tackle tandem in football with Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramcheck. And uh, you know, I, I think it gets heightened this matchup because of Drew and his ribs and, and everything that's happened. You don't want Drew getting hit. I mean, there are people holding their breath. There were people on Twitter going, "You know, we we we, can, we don't want to see this anymore." In, in week 17, Drew took some some I don't want to say nasty hits, but he took some big hits from that Panthers defensive line early in that game, and it was like, "Oh, we 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 can't stand to see Drew uh, get pushed around like that." So you definitely don't want that when you have uh, a guy like Khalil Mack, obviously uh, Hicks in the middle for them as well, a former New Orleans Saint, but. Uh, Khalil Mack and what he's going to be able to do uh, to those tackles and really force them to play nearly a perfect ball game, that's the matchup to watch. And and I don't even have to pull out any numbers or anything because if you're a football fan, you know that Khalil Mack is just an an absolute monster. And though he doesn't get nearly as much attention as he used to because uh, he's in Chicago and they're they're not even the best team in their division, um, he is a -a once-in-a-generation type of uh, edge rusher. And he's just kind of one of those guys. So that's my matchup to watch. In terms of the storyline, I want to highlight Mitch Trubisky. Right? There's going to be so much said about the Saints and going into Wild Card Weekend, like I said earlier in the podcast. Well, the Saints and their heartbreak over the playoffs. No, no, no. I want to talk about Mitchell Trubisky. Right? This guy was taken in 2017 before Patty Mahomes, who obviously is already... Start on on a great start yeah. to what looks to be a future All the Fame career. And Deshaun right? Watson and, too. And Deshaun Watson. Um, shout out to to Hall County, Georgia. Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson. Um, him and I graduated the same class, which is is crazy wow. to to think <laughs> about in the same county. Uh, but no, I mean, and and Deshaun's one of those guys too. That man, he was on a bad football team this year, and I love what NFL Films picked up with with JJ yeah, Watt apologizing is. to him saying, man, we wasted one of your years, and Deshaun responded with, we should have 11 wins because uh, if you've covered the Saints or followed the Saints, that's exactly how we felt <laughs> for years with Drew. Uh, so we, we can relate with that. But, you know, I think Trubisky having an opportunity. Uh, remember, the, let's not forget, this Bears team started the season really well. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, 4-1 start the year. And then, you know, Trubisky gets benched. Or it's three and one rather, but Trubisky gets benched because the offense wasn't really producing, producing numbers. And Nick Foles comes in and, and gets them a, a couple wins, and they're five and five and one. And then they go on this massive losing streak uh, with the game against the Saints somewhere in the middle. There, but Trubisky earns his way back to being the starter, and somehow, some way, the Bears win three of their last four and find themselves in a playoff position. And this is a guy, Mitch Trubisky, that everyone was ready to write off um, as a guy who was not going to be the savior the franchise quarterback for the Chicago Bears. And now all of a sudden, Trubisky finds himself in a playoff game <laughs> and an opportunity to really prove some guys wrong as he's playing for a contract. Uh, so I think this, is, this could be a really make-or-break game. For Mitch Trubisky, because he comes out and he plays really well. And um, if Chicago even comes out and, and doesn't win the game, but Trubisky has uh, a heck of a performance and it's like a quarterback duel, and he keeps Chicago uh it, within reach throughout the game. I think Trubisky has every reason in the world to to be able to go into free agency and go, hey, Chicago, look, like look what I was able to do for your team, like invest in me and I'll invest in you. Uh, and even if that's not the case, there's going to be teams all of a sudden that look and say, well, Trubisky won three of his last four, got in the playoffs and played a really good game. Uh, we should give them a chance because there's going to be teams that need quarterbacks or, you know, you look at new Orleans, we just talked about drew Brees. I'm not saying Trubisky to new Orleans, but I'm saying new Orleans could be in the market for a quarterback in free agency. Uh, so there's always teams looking uh, to give guys opportunities. So this is a huge game for Mitch Trubisky. He faces a really good, New Orleans defense. And remember, he didn't play that game that New Orleans won in overtime earlier in the season. It was Nick Foles. So Trubisky's seeing this defense for the first time. Uh and he kind of gets a blessing because he's playing a game in the Superdome, a playoff game in the Superdome, but it's not going to be near uh what a playoff game in the Superdome would be uh because of COVID and, and the lack of fans. Uh, being allowed into the stadium. So it's a big day for Trubisky uh, to prove that not only he belongs in the league, but that he could be a viable starter uh, in the league, whether it's in
1: Chicago or elsewhere. Hey, two things. First, I want to say, imagine the uh, the Twitter storm on Saints Twitter. That would happen if the Saints got Trubisky. That's the first thing I want to say, because, oh, my God, I feel like that would not go down well. Uh, for Saints Twitter. And then the second thing I want to say about that Khalil Mack matchup, I mean, I, I completely agree. And the, the way Taron Armstead especially is playing right now, like, I mean, he's playing, like, to me, the best tackle in the league, especially after David Batiari went down with the injury uh, for Green Bay. So I, I really love the way Armstead's playing, and I'm confident that right now the Saints should be able to, I mean, maybe they don't completely erase Mack, but at least be able to um, kind of, you know, at least eliminate some of the pressure that he's going to bring. I really think, and then this is kind of with my uh, matchup in this one or one of my matchups in this one. You know, the one thing I think they're going to do with Mac is try to stunt him and get him on Pete or something, and that's something I'm a little more scared of. I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, again, Pete and you know whoever is playing right guard with Easton or Ruiz would that kind of worry you if you're gonna, you know, if you're the the Saints, maybe Mac stunts in and then you have kind of him, a one-on-one, or maybe they give him help, but still. I mean, I feel like that's what happened last year in the Vikings game. They were stunting Everson Griffin and D'Neal Hunter in on Andrus Pete and Larry Wofford. Do you think the Bears would do something similar? I mean,
0: if there's a weak port, part, rather, of that offensive line, it is the interior of the line. But remember, that's why the Saints uh, parted ways with Larry Warford. That's why, uh, on, or not Andrus Pete, but rather Cesar Ruiz was drafted. Yeah. Um, was to really fill that role, and I, I don't think I don't think a lot of people give Nick Easton enough credit. Yeah, he's been banged up, he's had concussions and, and whatnot, but he's actually played really well. And I think it does say something, uh, not just to Ruiz in the shortened season or preseason with the lack of training camp and preseason and, and everything that happened. But remember, Ruiz was supposed to fight Larry Warford for the starting job. At least that was the quote from Peyton right when he got drafted. Warford ended up getting released within a week. But that tells me that Nick Easton and, and Cesar Ruiz were supposed to battle it out for the starting spot at right guard. And when you draft a guy in the first round, you kinda give him the upper hand, right? Hmm. Nope. Nick Easton won that job. And I think Nick Easton's played really well this season. It's going um not as recognized as maybe it needs to be, uh, but I wouldn't feel too worried uh, with the with the stunts that could could come to the inside, whether it's Khalil Mack or you know whether it's just a you know Robert. head on head with uh, with Hicks. Hicks yeah. So I feel good about where the Saints are, especially the offensive line. I think uh, I think they've played really well. I think it's it's the best offensive line in football. I've said that the last few years, uh, even with the the poor season or poor postseason performance they had last year, I think the Saints have the best or one of the best offensive lines in football. So uh, it's going to be a great matchup between uh, just a stellar, a stellar Chicago defense that hasn't got enough credit this year because of their record and uh, a Saints offensive line that, like I said, could easily be one of the best in football.
1: Yeah, and and then that is my matchup. You know, the, the interior offensive line—that's one of mine, and and that's something that I think is going to be really important. Just to what you know, as you said, how good that that Bears front seven really is, and um, I feel like right now with the Saints, I think getting back the weapons is huge. We'll see if Alvin Kamara plays. It seems like the Saints are hoping for him to play, and I mean, it's going to be interesting because he's not going to practice, and maybe that's something we talk about a little later. But I just feel like right now, I mean, if if this interior offensive line holds up and breathes time and he's not and he doesn't have guys in his face, I feel like this Saints offense is going to go down there and you know be able to score a ton of points here against the Bears. I mean, I'm just, you know, looking at that last game, the Saints put up 26 points in overtime, obviously, but the Saints were without Michael Thomas. They were without Emmanuel Sanders and Mark West Like three of the top, you know, receivers for the Saints were out in that game. And you're hoping to have all three back here for the game on um, you know, on Sunday, and then add in Deontay Harris as well, who will be coming back or should be coming back, I really should say. And I feel like if that offensive line holds up and Breeze has time to get the ball to them, hopefully gets the ball to Alvin Kamara, you run the ball well with Murray, I really feel like the Saints can take advantage of that Chicago secondary that's also banged up. You know, They have a few guys out, Jalen Johnson, he seems like it's going to be either a game-time decision or up in the air. We'll see when they start practicing a little later this week but I feel like right now I'm, I'm pretty confident that this offensive line can hold up here, even though you definitely have a lot of star players with the bears and that's why they're in the playoffs. You're going to face, you know, some good players. I know they're eight and eight, but Hey, they're good players. And I, I, I do feel like the Saints do have enough on the offensive line. And this offensive line is also playing really good of late. I mean, you go back to that, that Chiefs game; they blanked uh, Chris Jones, who's to me, one of the best defensive tackles in the game. And, you know, they played so well on that one. And, and then you look at the last two weeks; they were able to play well, and I think that also coincides with Breeze playing better as well. I am just really happy about this whole offense. I mean, do you feel the same way? Do you feel like they're going to be able to move the ball, or is it going to be kind of a different scenario? You think that it'll be a little tougher, especially with getting those pieces back together?
0: No, I think I think I think they're in really good shape. Uh, I think the other thing too is, is people need to remember that even if Alvin Kamara does play, uh, it's going to be is not going to be. The Alvin Camaro touches yeah. the ball 20 times a game That like like we're used to. I mean, we'd be really fortunate if he plays. Uh, and I think if he does, you're looking at getting Alvin the ball 10, 11, maybe between let's say 10 and 12 mm-hmm. touches uh, in the game. He's going to be in a limited role, but you have a guy like Latavius Murray that played extremely well against Chicago yeah. last year uh, when Alvin Camaro was injured. Ran for over a hundred yards, two touchdowns in that game, and and you brought the fact that they scored 26 points. Yes, it was an overtime victory. Uh, it wasn't pretty, but the Saints really hadn't hit their stride yet. Yeah. Uh, you look at the games even before that, a three-point win over the Panthers. They beat the Chargers in overtime the a game they really should have lost in the Superdome. <laughs> uh, and the week before, yeah, you know the score says 35-29, and it looks closer, but they really dominated the Lions. But You play the Chargers and Panthers, and you're like, oh, you just barely sweeped by teams that you still didn't feel were going to make the playoffs, and then you barely get by the Bears. But uh, you have to remember, too, the Saints, not only were they not really on all cylinders, you brought up the injuries in that game against Chicago, it was also outside. And I know people hate that narrative, uh, but there's two things about Soldier Field. One, the way it's designed, the wind, it gets to you. It's cold. And then two... It's not the best kept in terms of the grass. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can get real slick, and especially guys that aren't used to wearing like the long the long studs in, in their mm-hmm. cleats. It's an adjustment. So the Saints gets to come back. They're at the Superdome. They get to play on turf. You get all these guys back. I think they're able to move the ball extremely well. Uh, and with Latavius Murray, you know, being on the COVID list. It's frustrating, right? You don't get to play that last week against Carolina, but he's going to be fresh Uh, from what we understand right now. uh, He should be able to come off that list any day because he's not showing symptoms and he hasn't uh, posted a positive test, which tells me, well, it's not going to be a situation like Kamara who is going to have had it, maybe experienced, uh, you know, whether it's symptoms or not, you know, uh, when you're sick, you're sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it affects everybody's body a different way, but Murray's going to be fresh. He's going to be in shape. He's going to practice with the team all week. I expect him to have a big game against Chicago, but th- this offense, especially getting Michael Thomas back, I could definitely see Michael Thomas come out and just have a stellar, stellar game, especially seeing him and his ankle at close to a hundred percent.
1: You talk about Michael Thomas. And I feel like one thing, I think Nick Underhill said, he said the big thing, with what the Bears try to do they play a lot of cover three and cover six which that kind of opens up the the slant routes that opens up the hitch routes and who's really good at that Michael Thomas and it should be you know a game where I feel like he can have a big one and a lot of people are saying oh it's going to take a game for him to get back I mean I don't think so I mean a lot of people are saying how precise Michael Thomas runs his routes like it doesn't take that much time for everything to just click into place and he's been playing with Breeze for like what four years now so and I feel like he's also eager to get back on the field I mean he's such a You know, just an apex predator, and you know he's a guy that's going to want to compete. You know, with the best of everybody, and I feel like it kind of it bugged him for him not to be on the field for you know long periods of time this season. He's like, I want to come back and make a difference at the best time to help this team and Drew's last year or what should be his last year win a Super Bowl. And I really like what in the center, you know, kind of this matchup with the the Bears. I thought coming in to you know last week I was like oh what's the best matchup for wild card weekend besides getting the bye I really thought it was the Bears and it's a lot because of what the Saints could do on offense and you talk about Latavius Murray I love Latavius Murray I love giving him the ball a lot love that physical style of running it always feels like he's just like 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 an inch away from breaking like a 50 yard run I mean I just love the what he can do and even if Kamara plays you say 10 to 12 touches I think even using him as a decoy and having the Bears scheme up against him that's at least gonna take you know some time out of their game plan and less time paying attention to Murray. So I'm just feeling really good about this offense here. And my second matchup here, and kind of a storyline, it's gonna be Alan Robinson versus Marshawn Lattimore. And the storyline really is about Lattimore. And you know, we know he's up and down. He kind of, you know, he can play up to competition, play down to competition. And I'm just really excited for this matchup because A, Lattimore is playing better. And I think the saints are starting to give him just a player on another team to try to blank. And they did it with Justin Jefferson, who seems like he's going to be the offensive rookie of the year. Lattimore did an amazing job on him. And then he shut down Robbie Anderson last week as well. Who's a pretty solid receiver. He was the big free agent pickup for the Panthers here. And, Again, I would really want to see Lattimore come into year and say Robinson, who's you know he's had a great year. Allen Robinson, he has over 100 catches, over 1,200 yards, he has six touchdowns as well. Lattimore's like that's my guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna take him away. And I really feel like this Saints defense, especially without Quan Alexander, I feel like if Lattimore can take away, especially the best receiver in Allen Robinson, that really gives this Saints defense a lot of flexibility. And I, I feel like when you, you have this apex Lattimore and he's playing at the top of his game, it just takes the defense to the next level.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know the, the big thing with Lattimore, like you said, is that sometimes he plays up to his competition. There's a lot of times he plays down to his competition. And Allen Robinson, is, uh, he, was, he was phenomenal before he got yeah. to Chicago. He was a guy that was sought after heavily in free agency and was a guy that I felt that Chicago got for, for a really good deal. And he comes out and he, he balls out, like you said, over 100 grabs between two separate quarterbacks this season, a really underrated season. And He's going to be the guy uh, that the Saints have to take away. I know you can very easily look at, you know, the Chicago offense and look at other guys on that team and say, oh, like, that's the guy you have to t- take away, right? David Montgomery. Uh, a 1,000-yard rusher. If I'm not mistaken, he's got a touchdown in six straight games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're going to have to take him away. But taking away Allen Robinson, who's their best receiver, and really after that, uh, if you're not really a a diehard football person, you really can't name guys on the roster after that. That's going to be crucial. Uh, And Marshawn Lattimore, when he's playing um, his best football, so is the entire defense. He's he's kind of the, the acceleration pedal, right? When he goes, everybody goes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's going to be the big thing, not only in this game, but throughout the playoffs.
1: He's kind of the key, I feel like, to the Saints defense, especially when you have Quan Alexander out, who I feel like definitely gave the Saints another level. Like, if the Saints are going to take it to that next step, I think it's going to have a lot to do with the secondary and Marshawn Lattimore and Marcus Williams. And I feel like right now I'm I'm, I'm just excited to see this matchup because, you know, if, if Lattimore is ready to play and he's motivated, which I think he will be, you know, playoff game. I mean, he didn't have the best game last year against the Vikings, but you, you go back to 2018 and he had that huge game against the uh, Philadelphia. He had the two picks and kind of changed that game around for the saints. I thought he played well against the Rams. He played well in that, in the 2017 run as well. I feel like, you know, he's kind of gets up for these playoff games as I think everyone is, but I feel like him especially, and he goes up against Allen Robinson. who's was kind of in his wheelhouse because he's loves those physical receivers and Allen Robinson, very, very physical, big jump ball, try to get position. And, you know, he's really good. And as you said, he's been like a really just a quiet acquisition for them. And like, I looked at his stats and he was like, Oh, I was like, Oh, he's over 1200 yards, like, and over a hundred catches. Like he had an awesome season. And look, I feel like Lattimore, he should be ready to go. And, you know, you look at the last game when these two faced Lattimore didn't have the best game. He gave up eight receptions, you know, on 13 targets, 96 yards, Allen Robinson had a touchdown, um, wasn't against Lattimore, but he still had a touchdown in that game. He had six catches, 87 yards. would love to see, you know, Lattimore come back and be able to shut down Robinson because, you know, I feel like when you look at this, this Saints defense and, you know, Brendan, I don't know what you think. But I feel like right now, you, you first stop the run. I think that's the biggest thing with with Chicago. They've been running the ball really good with David Montgomery, as you said, thousand yard rusher. He's going a ton of touchdowns. And then you know, if you could stop the run, you could take the play action away, which is a lot of what Mitchell Trubisky was doing, and that's why he's finding a lot of success. As you were saying, he's won three out of four games. They put up over thirty points, which is also something like this Bears offense has been playing pretty well up until last week where they lost to the Packers. But I feel like right now the way you know, this offense kind of churns is through the run, then the play action, and then you could stop Mitchell Trubisky, then throwing the ball, you could pin your ears back, try to get after him with our defensive line, who I think is just playing outstanding. I kind of feel like that's kind of the formula for the Saints defense.
0: Yeah, and let's not discredit Chicago against yeah. Green Bay because though Green Bay pulled away with that football game, Chicago yeah. was right in that game yeah. uh, for a lot of it. And I know a lot of who that nation was – was scoreboard watching, and if you watched the broadcast at home, they had the other scores yeah, in the scorers, top left yeah. corner, and, and it looked like Chicago was going to be in that game for, for a while, uh, and I believe went for it on fourth down, down by a single score in that game, and after they failed to convert, that really turned the game around, but really aggressive play calling, trying to put yourself in a position, because they were in a position uh, where obviously they didn't know they were scoreboard watching as well. They they had to win to get in and uh, some other things happened and they were able to make the playoffs regardless. Uh, but uh, Chicago has played some of their best football as of late uh, it was in that game against green Bay. Uh, the, the one thing you would say is, Oh, well, they put up 30 points against the Texans, the Vikings and the Jags, three teams that don't really uh, get too overexcited to say, Oh, we, we beat these guys. And especially the Vikings, the Saints put up a 50 burger on just a, uh, on Christmas day, but yes, they're playing extremely well. The play action is going to be key for Mitch Trubisky, uh, but for the saints, uh, and if you're a saints fan, you have to be smiling knowing you have one of the best rush defenses in the entire league. Uh, and knowing that, as we've alluded to that, that back end is played so well, and they're going to be hopefully a hundred percent going into the playoffs. And, and you're able to put your best, your best foot forward against a, an offense. That's got a, a little bit of juice for lack of a better term, and they're feeling good about themselves and be able to stop them early and give Drew and the offense a chance to, to go downfield and get you an early lead.
1: Yeah. And the one thing I want to bring up before you know, we get into predictions and all that juicy stuff, I, I do want to bring up the the defensive line, and the offensive line, just going into the playoffs, really, but especially this game, you know, I mean the way Trey Hendrickson's playing, I mean, we haven't talked about him yet, but I think for second in sacks, if I'm not mistaken with 13 and a half, I mean, he just had an outstanding season, Cameron Jordan, I think it's getting hot at the right time, which I feel is, is really big uh, for the Saints to get, you know, obviously their leader back. I feel like he's kind of playing that point guard role, you know, assisting other guys to help get sacks, you know, but I still think he's been really good this year, even though his sat total didn't get over 10 sacks, but I thought he still had a had a really solid year. And then up the middle, David Onyemata, I mean, he's just been so good. Malcolm Brown stopping the run. You know, you saw last week, he does make an impact, even though, you know, you know, a nose tackle, a one tech defensive tackle you wouldn't think would have so much impact, but I think especially stopping the run, he's been so good over the last uh, two years. I mean, that's a guy that I think is almost went, you know, unheard of and definitely an underrated signing for the saints. And then you add also for depth, you have like shy Tuttle and then on the edges you have, I mean, we haven't talked about it, but Marcus Davenport, I feel like, you know, he's kind of regressed in some places, but as a third rusher, he's really good And you could definitely see that he still has the athleticism and stuff like that could still win. And I feel like him as a kind of rotational rusher is still really solid to have. And then Carl Granderson, who looks really good this year. I think he had like five sacks, you know, undrafted free agent comes up in here, takes him a year, but it seems like as a situational guy, he's really picking up. And, you know, I really love what the saints defensive line is doing and, You know, when you go in the playoffs, where do you have to win? Most, you got to win in the trenches. And the Saints got healthy at the right time. They're playing good football on defensive line. Offensive line seems like they got healthy. They got the interior all healthy with Easton and Pete. And really, I'm excited to see the Saints team, because you go back to last year, I feel like they weren't playing as well in the trenches. They weren't running the ball as well that late in the season. Go back to 2018, I think you could say the same thing. Like, to dominate in the trenches like the Saints have the last two weeks, it's just really encouraging
0: i think one one guy
1: that i have to give
0: credit to is malcolm brown yeah. uh, just a super underrated piece of the new orleans saints to rush defense and i credit fox uh because they did point him out yeah. in in the game this last week against carolina i believe it was on a fourth down stop where he was able to break through and, and make a play uh on the running back but He's such an underrated part, underrated signing, uh, and then that's the crazy thing is we we said it we said it about the Saints defense So whether it's undrafted free agents or guys just stepping up at the right time just being underrated whether that's Malcolm Brown whether that's Carl Granderson whether it's Trey Hendrickson, who's had a breakout season, a uh, Shai Tuttle who has actually got a lot of you know did not plays right he got a lot of healthy scratches at the beginning of the year it was a big part of what the Saints did last year they're just so deep uh, especially on that defensive line they play so well. Um, such such a big reason uh, for them to be in so good in the run game. Uh, and then, obviously, you have to give credit to to DeMario Davis, who is just an excellent exactly. reader of the game um, and, and just seems to to make the big play uh, every time you need it. And remember, against the Chicago team, the first matchup, it looked like he did. It looked like he had forced a fumble and recovered it in regulation, uh, which would have gave That's the cool. Saints the ball and then uh opportunity to, to kneel the clock out. Uh, though the play was overturned, and I really can't, To this day, understand why or how that was not a fumble. Um, I mean, he's he's the unquestioned leader of that defense, and he's put him in every position to be successful uh, this season. But I think you're absolutely right, Andrew. I think you hit the nail on the head that uh, the fact the Saints are winning in the trenches and running the ball super well, kind of like 2017, which you alluded to, was it was kind of just seemed like a magical season uh, that unfortunately didn't happen or end well. For, for New Orleans, they're really winning in those areas. And uh, as, a, as a former offensive lineman way back in my, <laughs> my early uh, high school days, uh, I can say that winning in the trenches is super important uh, in the play of that offensive line on both sides is going to be crucial.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. And I think that really epitomizes Super Bowl runs. You go look at what the offensive lines do. I mean, everyone's like, even last year, everyone talks about Patrick Mahomes. Like, that Chiefs offensive line, defensive line were really good. And I think that, you know, you can't go understated and – Also, what you said about Demario Davis, real quick. I mean, yeah, he's such a good reader of the game. They did it, they did something on him on Fox. They were like, Cameron Jordan was like, he's telling me the plays as they happen. And like Cam was like, I don't really want to focus on everything, I just want to rush the pass, or like that's how good he is. He's able to just call out plays before they happen. And you know, it seems like a lot of the time, which is just I mean, it's just huge. That that pickup was amazing, and they re-signed him, and really great stuff from this whole this whole Saints team and going to the playoffs. Very, very excited. And now, Brendan, definitely want to get here into the juicy stuff, the predictions here. I'm gonna leave my predictions to Friday because we got an episode where we're gonna kinda of go even deeper into this Bears game. We we always do our group by group previews where we kind of see who's gonna have the edge, Saints or Bears. We're gonna go into that on Friday once we see all the injury reports and stuff. But Brendan, I definitely want to hear your predictions for this game, playoffs. What do you got?
0: Well, I think I think it's gonna be uh just a, a classic New Orleans Saints home playoff game. Uh, And I don't mean that in in the years past, the last two years, right? The Saints have lost at home in the playoffs. I'm talking some of that vintage Sean Payton, Drew Brees, home game in the Superdome uh, where the offense just puts up points. And I think the Saints are going to be able to do that. They're going to game plan super well. We've alluded to it so much throughout the podcast how healthy they're going to be they're going to have Michael Thomas they're going to have Emmanuel Sanders hopefully have uh Deontay Harris who is going to make an impact offensively also on special teams Marcus Callaway, uh and then you know maybe maybe you get Alvin Kamara as well but even if you don't I still feel like the Saints team's going to put up
1: I don't think they a need lot to of win points. the game yeah
0: no I don't I don't uh, I, I still feel super confident in the New Orleans Saints even without Kamara playing in the game. And it's not just because they're playing the bears. It's just because of look, if they were able to win the way that they've won without all these guys. And my favorite stat, and I know a lot of different people have thrown it out there is breeze and Camaro and Thomas have only played 10 quarters together this year. 10. Mm-hmm. If you had told anybody that, uh, before the season started, you would have been rolling your eyes and saying, oh, this is a saints team. That's barely going to squeak into the playoffs. No, this is a team that could have very easily been the number one seed. Right. Hmm. So if they can survive this year and be 12 and four and be as good as they've been without all of them healthy. I have no no doubt in my mind that whether Kamara plays or not, that the Saints are going to be able to score points. And uh, the defense has been so good. We talked about the run game and how crucial that is for the Chicago Bears and setting up the play action pass and how dominant the Saints defensive line has been this year. Uh, you know, let's not forget this is a Saints defense that there was a stretch there. It was like 40 plus quarters without giving up a touchdown. Yeah. Something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. Or it was like two touchdowns and 40, 45 plus quarters. I mean, this is, this is a defense that not a lot of people are talking about. I know at the beginning of the year, there was plenty of analysts that said, all oh, the Saints defense is going to be better than their offense. And it took a little bit, but it seems like they might be right. Uh, and I think the Saints are able to shut down Mitch Trubisky and a Chicago team that, Uh, found their way into the playoffs somehow some way but then a lot of people are kind of scratching their heads and saying how (laughs) how did Chicago get in so I'm going to take the Saints in this game uh, 35 to 10 I think they're that dominant in a playoff game Uh, I think they're everything is gelling at the right time for New Orleans I think the defense is playing outstanding football Uh, and and I think just having having Mike Thomas back uh, and not just Mike Thomas but just Health, having a healthy team yeah. uh, is, is going to make such a difference in this game. Obviously, Chicago, uh, you know, any playoff game you get excited for. Um, but I do think the Saints, with uh, with their veteran leadership, the fact that they've been here before, the fact that they don't want to lay an egg for the second straight year in uh, in a home game and wild card weekend that that's going to carry them uh, not only to victory, uh, but to a really really a solid, a decisive uh, victory in a statement statement kind of games telling the rest of the NFC that, you know, they're for real this year and, and this is their year to go make that Super Bowl run.
1: Yeah, I mean, what you're describing right now is like that 2009 playoff run. It started with that that Cardinals game where the Saints just blew out the Cardinals. And I feel like that, that was a big statement win, I think, because they lost three straight games down the season. Everyone was like, oh, what are the Saints going to do? And they went out and just demolished the Cardinals and Kurt Warner. And I feel like if the Saints did that again. I feel like a lot of people would, you know, there are a lot of naysayers to the Saints team. A lot of people don't think that they're going to, you know, be competitive for a Super Bowl. There are a lot of people that think that they'll, they'll lose to the Packers or whatever. They're not even close to them. Like, there are a lot of people like that. They think, oh, Aaron Rodgers is so great. And, look, like, I don't agree with it. And I feel like a game like this would be, like, it's the first step. To like, okay, the Saints are for real. And they have every shot in the world to go to the Super Bowl. And that's what I think. And I know that's what you think as well. So I think that this should be a good game. I'll leave my full prediction for Friday's episode once everything comes out. But, I mean, right now I am feeling pretty confident just looking at these matchups. And, in you know, the Bears, they're an 8-8 eight and eight team in kind of that, you know, last year's playoff form. Like when the six teams made it, you would think that they wouldn't make it. They definitely wouldn't have made it because there was no seven seed. An 8-8 eight and eight team to me, especially like them who kind of backed their way into the playoffs, they lost their final game. To me, they almost have no business being in the playoffs. And I feel like right now they definitely have some good players and they're playing pretty hot ball. But, I mean, the Saints, they, they kind of have to take care of business, especially after last year's dud here. But I think with all that said, it is time to wrap up this podcast. Brendan, tell everyone where they can find you, social media. you know. Otherwise, definitely uh, you know, let everyone know.
0: Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BT Boylan, B-T-B-O-Y lan uh make sure to check out the uh dancing bulldog documentary if you haven't mm-hmm. already uh, i know that andrew gave me a nice little shout out at the beginning uh with the, the tar heel uh, nomination from the north carolina film critics association for that film uh was able to put together um, a full length documentary on the gardner web uh, men's basketball team in 2018 19 their first trip to march madness uh they were leading virginia at halftime uh, and it looked like 16 was going to beat one uh for the second consecutive year Uh, obviously it didn't end that way as virginia went on to not only win that game but the national championship but just the story about a a team that you know doesn't get their story told a whole lot was able to do that with a a couple guys uh through uh, the quarantine and through covid without meeting face-to-face and doing all of our uh, interviews on zoom and whatnot but you can check that out at uh It's Bulldogs dancing, uh, dancing, D A N C I N, uh, no G at the end. You can check that out on Twitter. Uh, The whole movie's on YouTube. You can find the link that way. Uh, And, you know, I guess my final thought before I forget it is, you know, you just mentioned how good the Packers are. They are absolutely um, deserving of the number one seed. Obviously, defeating the Saints back in week three is the, the way that they got it. But the Saints were competitive in that game against the Packers in week three, a great Sunday night football showdown and the Saints weren't playing their best ball yet. Oh, uh, I
1: course. think that
0: the NFC is, is very open uh, because Tampa Bay has started to play very good football as of late. Uh, Seattle's fell off a little bit. I think that they have, though they've secured uh, and, and kind of filled some holes on a, on a defense that was really mediocre to start the season. So I think this is going to be a really good NFC playoff. Uh, but in my heart of hearts, outside the fact that I cover the team, I think right now if I had to pick a team to win the NFC, uh, it would be New Orleans. Uh, it just seems like, like a Hollywood script, for lack of a better term, for Drew to go out uh, on top and at least give him a shot at a second Super Bowl ring. So uh, enjoy the game this weekend, and uh, we'll leave it at that.
1: Yeah, Brendan, thank you for coming on and definitely check out the documentary, check out his work on, um, Saints news network on sports illustrated. Um, I do some work for them as well as an intern and they've been just so great learning a ton about writing and stuff like that. Brendan's been great. And you know, that documentary was outstanding and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really interesting and, uh, definitely something that was um, great and you should definitely all check out. Um, we'll, we'll leave the links in the description, all that fun stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll be back with you guys on Friday to fully preview, kind of finish off the preview here, look at some more things, maybe the injury reports, those will be out and that should definitely be really fun. And then it's game time, Saints-Bears Sunday at 3.40 Central Time should definitely be really fun. So thank you again, Brandon, for coming on. And uh, I think with all that said, I want to say thank you guys for listening. Turn it loose and who dat.